welcome to episode 119 of the Craft Heads podcast, everybody. This is a podcast where I talk about nothing or sometimes something with my best friend of 20 plus years, Tommy. Um, he is still taking care of some things, and Tara and I are actually on the road visiting a very good friend of ours in Omaha, Nebraska. You might remember him from episode 78, which was uh, largely about the Dave Chappelle special Sticks and Stones, and episode 37, which was about Westworld. So welcoming back, Alex. Glad to be back. And Alex, the last time, of course, the last time we saw you in person was at Tara's in my wedding, but uh, prior to that, it had been quite a long while because you've been in Omaha, Nebraska now for about a year and a half, right? Yeah, I moved here July 2019, and yeah, I've been here ever since. So I only came back just for the wedding. Yeah, and it stunk for us selfishly because we had just met Alex in Atlanta because he was living there. He actually lived directly across the hall from us. So back whenever we met our neighbors and friends that we talk about a lot, the slices, they were next door and Alex was right across the hall. We basically owned the whole floor. It was incredible. <laughs> Very true. So those were those were some really good times, but uh, Alex had a great opportunity, moved out to Omaha, Nebraska. And in the uh, spirit of the episode, if you haven't guessed yet, we're doing an Omaha, Nebraska cast. Very true. You guys are in Omaha, Nebraska. Well, right now, no, you're not, but we'll get into that. <laughs> yeah, we will get into that. Absolutely. But what we'll start with is um, we'll, we'll talk a little bit about um, the reason we came out here, of course, was to vi visit Alex, but like... Not to cast Omaha in a bad light or anything, but it's one of those cities that I feel like a lot of people sort of like sleep on or like don't make a reason to come out here. And that's why we were really glad to have a reason to come out and visit a friend. And this place is really great. And it's a really great town if you want to eat and drink a lot during COVID in the cold. So that was definitely an added bonus for me and Tara, which, by the way, Tara is here so she can chime in at any time. Yep. Okay. Thanks for that, Tara. <laughs> So in traditional craft heads form, we'll start off with the drink, even though we're going to be talking about a lot of different drinks. And I'm not currently drinking one now because it's 11.50 a.m., even though we have drunk in the morning several times on the podcast. But if you look at the episode image, you'll see I'm holding a few cans. And the breweries that we'll be talking about primarily are Upstream Brewery. And what was the other one, Alex? Um Upstream Brewing Co. and Omaha Tap House. Omaha Tap House, that's right. And we got, actually, we got food and beverages from both of them. Um, so we'll, I guess we'll start off with those being the featured drinks because that's what the episode image was. But I have to give uh, Omaha Tap House, the food was excellent. We got the burger. We got Berry Hungover Burger, which is uh, beef marinated in a blueberry vinaigrette with hash browns, a fried egg bacon and on a toasted bun if that just made your mouth water that it was as good as it sounds trust <laughs> me and i do have to give omaha tap house one little strike though it's funny because last the last episode when we featured lost in the wilds brewing which is in shippenville pa um i noticed that they didn't have quite the full-size growlers it was like if i recall 24 25 ounces and the quote crowlers here at omaha tap house it was a pretty small can it was like 19 ounces or something yeah, like pretty that skinny yeah and and I'm, I'm not actually criticizing i mean it's obviously it's just a uh ounce difference but there is nothing quite like and alex backed me up i don't think you saw it before 
seeing a 32 ounce crowler get filled and sealed and sold like i had no idea that was a process of making them yeah when it was happening i it, it didn't process that that was for me but yeah it's pretty cool and they're just huge i yeah. mean God, I mean, you can see them obviously in the uh, picture, but um, so reviewing the beers real quick, the Dollface Coconut Blonde. I had to think about the name there for a second, but it was um, that was a four point eight uh, ABV and very coconutty. It actually reminded me very much of uh, I think we've talked about one on the podcast from Steady Hand Brewing in Atlanta. And it was really similar. It had like the coconut tasting notes and very easy drinking, probably around 5%. But overall, great beer and went really well <laughs> with that berry burger that we had. So um, huge fan of the food and beer there. If if you're ever in Omaha, it's definitely gets a thumbs up from CHP. Go check it out. Uh, I will admit Upstream took the cake for me. We actually wound up drinking a lot of beer at Upstream because we got the two crawlers to go. And then a couple days later, um, or a day later or whatever, after we had gone out to dinner, which we'll also get to. Oh, for sure. <laughs> we went to Upstream afterward and got some at the bar. So the, the crawlers that we got were the Sergeant Pumpkin's Lonely Hefeweizen. That was a 5.8 ABV. And the Ebenezer Winter Warmer, which was much hossier at 8.8 .8 ABV. And we had a whole big discussion uh, discourse and everything as we were drinking them. Because I poured the Ebenezer first. This was very dark. And it's it just picture like a – this is a horrible analogy. But like the winter lager flavor. We had one on a couple episodes ago on Sam Adams. Except a uh, hundred times better, much more robust, much stronger, blah, blah, blah. But the point is it has that Christmassy holiday, holiday taste. Kind of like um, – Tara Great Lakes Christmas Ale. Yeah. I'm sure you've had that before. And they're they're from Ohio. So I was a huge fan of that beer. But Tara picked up a lot of pumpkin in that. And, of course, it's a subjective thing. But getting very technical, that wasn't in the tasting notes that they had. And I was like, no, the Sergeant Pumpkin's Lonely Hefeweizen is going to be the, the very pumpkin one, which, of course, is Southern Tier from Western New York. And... Alex and Tara both agreed. I think they got more pumpkin flavor out of the Ebenezer. Or, or what did you think, Alex? There was an Ebenezer. Yeah, I think the Ebenezer is more pumpkin flavored. And I think the second one I said, like, a kind of like a gingerbread kind of feel. Like, oh, that's right. Yeah. 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 But I I mean, we all loved both of them, especially Tara and me. They were very, very much up our alley. I, I thought the Sergeant Pumpkin's Lonely Hefeweizen was very pumpkin-esque, except... Um, easier to drink because it's not quite as strong and then the ebenezer is just that to me was like the perfect winter brew very heavy very flavorful and i would say probably a lot of those tasting notes like the cinnamon clove nutmeg dark fruit all of that stuff coming together almost is sort of a pumpkin-y overall ensemble i don't know but both beers were excellent i guess we can we can skip over now those crowlers and talk about the dinner that we had a couple nights ago Alex at 801, right? 801, that was, uh, we did a Friday night. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So, 801 Chop House. Um, so, you guys came here, and of course, Omaha is known for their steaks. So, one request you guys had was to go to a steakhouse, like a quality steakhouse. So, we picked 801 Chop House, and I don't know the history or whatnot, but I know it's located in the Paxton Hotel, which has some significance in Omaha. And, <clears throat> 
of course there's like a hundred different steakhouses, but this is probably the best one. Yeah. And, and for full disclosure, I knew I was in for a good ride because it was a $4 sign restaurant. So I was like, all right, well, you know, no holds bar here. Let's just, let's go crazy. Right. You got to live, uh, live a little. Alex, why don't you tell everybody if you can recall everything that we got at that glorious meal? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, we got in and of course I think we we're picking out the wines, right? You, mm-hmm. you really liked one of the wines. Oh, that's right. Yeah. We got the, it was a 2018 vintage aviary something yep. and yep. this was tara's red blend i got them all back we're usually cabernet people especially if we're getting steak but i, I didn't want to get a whole bottle because i knew we were getting we were going to go to the brewery afterward and i just wanted to change it up a little bit but i'm i'm normally not like a huge red blend guy but this is so strange <laughs> the smell the bouquet on the red blend smelled like an an exactly specific childhood memory of mine so I was like in love with it, but it was like aviary, predator, birds of prey. Thank you, but yeah, something like that. 2018 vintage. So I got to look for a bottle of that because I really enjoyed that. But that's that's we started with the wine there, and then right. So yeah, the appetizers we got fried lobster bites, which I mean, in layman's terms, it's just like popcorn chicken. But no, it's like the presentation was amazing and. It was fried lobster bites, which I, the taste was amazing. Yeah, and when we when we say popcorn chicken, this was like half of a fist, like the, <laughs> yes. each piece, and it was a big. That was the biggest lobster tail ever. I didn't know life. they got that big. No, me neither. Yeah. It was absolutely incredible. Right, and then after the appetizers, uh, our main meals, we deliberated a lot, and I think we did the right thing of just getting a lot of choices. Yeah, uh, I got the twenty-four ounce Delmonico. Tara got, I don't know what size, porterhouse. I think a 24 ounce. 24 ounce porterhouse. I think so too. But you got, I think, the smallest one. Right? Yeah, it might have been 16 ounces, but it was a bone in fillet. And of course, all of these cuts kind of, you know, they're all over the place. Price range, taste, pretty different. Very different cuts of meat, obviously. But I always say my golden standard for red meat is a Vegas ribeye. And this place definitely gave it a run for its money and i think overall and you and i were on the same page alex tara i can't remember exactly where you came down the meat itself i think the best of those three was the delmonico agreed i think we said mine had the best tasting meat on alone yours had like the whatever the crust or not yeah crust. like the peppery crust right exactly. the seared crust in yeah. yours that was great and i think tara's presentation like looked the best like just picturesque yes and had uh, they they had an impressive array of this sounds really cheesy but like toppings but or like preparation styles and you know they have like poivre and cognac butters and mushroom ragus and all that crazy shit and tara's preparation was also best because you had the mushroom ragu yeah, so I got my steak medium rare, and I got the that mushroom ragu, and it comes in this cute little uh, Thanksgiving carafe of gravy, Wait, like a little called? like a gravy boat, yeah, <laughs> and yeah, so a mini boat of gravy comes out, and then it's got this little dish of butter, and as soon as I got my steak, I you know asked her what each was because I thought they had mixed it previously, right? So I slathered my entire steak in butter, and then poured this gravy on top, and oh my god, yeah. Yeah, it was an, an incredible meal. And then the sides were great, too. We got the obligatory lobster mac and cheese, which I feel like any big steakhouse always has that. Right. And that was uh, among the best I've had. Oh, Sometimes it's like, 
almost too rich, but this one was like right at the limit. It oh, was agree. perfect. Agree. Yeah. Um, we got broccolini as well, which we have to look healthy. But the yeah. dessert, like, what do you guys think about that? Good call. So Alex basically insist. Well, he didn't insist anything on us. He just said, "I'm getting a souffle." I, like, I don't care, you know, what, if you guys get dessert, but I'm getting a souffle because last time he'd been there on a business dinner, somebody got it and he was mad. He didn't. <laughs> and I had never had. I think the word souffle is kind of thrown around sometimes in like just random food conversations. But this was. It's basically a an extremely fluffy. I'll even call it eggy pastry yeah dessert pastry yeah they had two flavors they had a chocolate yeah you can have like chocolate infused or grand marnier yes yes and um alex was between the two and we we all came down on grand marnier and that was definitely the right choice especially because you can pour chocolate sauce on the grand marnier souffle and it is truly to die for so the moral of this story here is if you ever come to omaha nebraska and you want to go to the best chop house in town. Granted, we only went to one, but I can't see anything being much better. If it, You might have a similar experience yeah. elsewhere. The other ones to experience are farther west, which for convenience and where I live, which I'm sure we'll talk about. Yes. Um, it's just perfect. Like quality, it, it, it is the best in the area. Yeah. And, and just to clarify, while we're sitting here rambling about all these restaurants, breweries, food, everything else, we're going to talk about a few other things, including like Alex's own personal experience in Nebraska. But um, yeah, we're just getting all, we're showing all this love because there's just so many good things out here to try. And, you know, we want to spread that. But by the way, do you remember Pop Quiz? Do you remember our server's name at 801? 801. Ooh. Miranda. It wasn't Miranda. That was someone else. Nope. You do. Don't it you? was Tammy. Tammy, yeah, I don't remember that. yeah, definitely okay. Tammy. So great we, job. I didn't, I didn't pitch CHP at the, this place. Was like too nice for that, but <laughs> maybe, maybe somebody will tell Tammy how much we appreciated her that night. She was super awesome. Will but um, anyways, after dinner, we went back to upstream, of course, and got a couple more beers, and it was great. We were initially going to do flights, and or maybe like a few beers, but instead we got their barrel aged like small batch limited availability beers that come in 750 mil bottles, which of course is like a, a fifth if you want to call it that. Or in essence, it's kind of like two 12-ounce beers because it's about 25 ounces. But the first one that we got was the Things! Exclamation point. Uh, I the, the word in their description, G-E-U-Z-E style, I, I'm wondering if, yeah, it looks like that, but... I was wondering if it's another pronunciation, or I'm sorry, another spelling of Goza or something, or if it's a Goza similar thing, because it's a sour. It's definitely a sour. Oh, yeah, ale. for sure. But um, this was the Things G-Word style mixed fermentation ale uh, from two, 2019, 5.8 ABV. And that. what did you guys think about that one? Loved it. She can go first. Loved it. That's it. That's all I have to say. <laughs> so, it was it was among one of the best hours I've ever had, or whatever that style is. It mm. was really cool. Actually, both of these beers, my favorite thing about them, especially the second one, didn't taste like anything I'd had before. The second one was the blonde. Oh, you haven't said it right yet. Yeah, but the, um, go ahead. The I don't drink beer really. Um, I only go for sours just because I like the sour taste, mm-hmm. and I think this is one of their tartest ones I've had. Definitely. So I, I enjoyed it for that factor. I, I like my sours to not taste like beer, and I think it did it, which I don't know how people feel about that. Well, I know you weren't a huge fan of the second one, but it also did not 
in your words, did not taste like beer in the sense that this was the barrel-aged Belgian blonde uh, aged in apple brandy barrels. And the guy even told me whenever we, first of all, he recommended it like really highly and you know, we took the recommendation. I think it, it wasn't necessarily Alex's cup of tea. Uh, Tara liked it, right? No, I like that one a lot too. It wasn't my cup of tea because I personally don't like beers. It's not that the beer was bad. It's just I... Right. Yeah. Well, this one, again, back to Bouquet, like that wine experience uh, that I had at dinner. This one smelled almost like a... We have this Macintosh apple candle that we burn back home. And it just... It smelled unlike anything I've ever drank before. And then it, it almost tasted you know, maybe not as expected from what it smelled like. You know, right. And, and I kind of like when there's that dichotomy there. It's really, yeah, I think we both said like the smell alone is just get the, get the drink just for this. Yeah, exactly. And then if you know, share it, get it with somebody in case you're not a big fan of it. But I would say out of all four of those beers that we tried at upstream, I would call them all must tries. And honestly, without that much experience and maybe Alex can chime in here, if you have time to only go to one brewery, I'm not saying there isn't a better one, but I can tell you, you will not be disappointed because Upstream like blew me away. Oh, agreed. Like the where it's located and just, I think it's a well-known name. I mean, I live here and I don't really know the area much, but Upstream I think is a good uh, foundation yeah. brewery to go to here. We, You know what? And we had one beer that I wasn't crazy about that I forgot. So the next day we needed lunch and we ordered more food oh, yeah, from Upstream. Yeah, yeah. Alex went and picked it up. I got an outrageously amazing uh, chimichurri tuna dish at, at lunchtime. It was like $15. which Also at Upstream. Yeah, this amazing cut of fish. Like It was an incredible deal. The food was just top-notch. But we got a truffle s'mores stout in the middle of the day, and it was very sweet. Yeah. Like, if you really like sweet beers and drinks, get it for sure but uh i think tara and myself uh, tara and me are both more along the sides of uh the well when it comes to beers just generally not overly sweet and like cocktails too we're more like uh boozy you know booze forward drinks that are don't have a lot of that um overpowering sweetness to them so if you like that stuff you would also love that beer but that one that was our least favorite out of all of them but that about and wait that one guy at upstream the both their names ben and brian correct right yeah. i i am totally remiss i apologize ben and brian i should have started with you guys but thank you so much for that uh awesome experience at the bar and and the great recommendations and it sounded like your friend ben remembered you after oh yeah I'm, how long i'm gonna shout him out because i haven't been back to upstream in like a year especially since covid started and ben and two others like i just moved here and didn't know anyone they definitely made me feel very welcome in the area just because of how chill and cool they are. I hadn't seen Ben in like over a year and he knew my name just like that. And I, I remembered him as well. So I, I will just say this, like my biggest compliment to the Omaha area and just the people here is that I think they're the most neighborly people that you'll ever run into anywhere you live. And I think just that gesture kind of proves that point. Absolutely. I'm glad you brought that up because, um, you know, we can talk a little bit more about it. But I, I also had nothing but positive experiences with all the people here. Uh, and, you know, most of our experiences were related directly to the service industry. Mm -hmm. So if they're 
doing a good job at their job, everybody's going to seem friendly. But it's it's not just, um, I think, like pigeonholed into that one category. It's just, it's a really nice place with a lot of nice people. Right. And I, I've lived here. So, I mean, all my, all my experiences aren't service industry related. Exactly. And everyone here is just been that feel like my neighbors here on my complex, just random places I go out to. It's just been that kind of, Hey, you're part of my community kind of feel. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and there's two more, two or three more like food related things before we talk about the other items. But, uh, and we did this out of order. Like I'm kind of jumping around just to cover all, like all of the things about one place at one time. But one of my favorite experiences, Tara's and my favorite experiences was there is a quasi hidden speakeasy here. And just because it was, it actually was kind of fun to try and like do a little bit of homework online and see exactly where, where it was, where it was located. Uh, I won't tell you exactly where it's located, but all you have to do is look for a place called the Wicked Rabbit. Correct. And well, are you asking? I mean, that's where we were. Were you looking for the store? No, I was going to leave that out. Okay. Only because I, again, with like three minutes of looking around online, I was like, oh, it must be located in this place. Correct. Which yeah. It, it is named aptly. So that's the only clue. Agreed. Yeah. But. The Wicked Rabbit was a wonderful experience. Uh, I've been to a few of these speakeasy style, like hidden away cocktail bars in a few cities now, and this particular one nailed the the like the feel and the cocktails and everything. And I want to give a a shout out first to Ken, who was the guy manning the store through which you enter the Wicked Rabbit. Um, Plus, he was wearing a bandana, which I liked because I'm a bandana guy myself. In the COVID era, <laughs> and and, and uh, I want to give extra special love to Miranda because when I told her about the podcast and like the co- how much we loved the cocktails and everything, she seemed really jazzed about it. And like, I feel like that's how I would feel if somebody told me like, "Oh, I want to talk about you and shout you out on my podcast or whatever." And sometimes people are like, "Sick," you know what I mean? I'm just and I'm not expecting anything. It just my level of enthusiasm for such things parallels what I saw in Miranda. So thank you for that awesome experience, Miranda. You're, you're, you're really good at what you do. And the people making the cocktails are also very good at what they do. Oh yes. We got, uh, we got two rounds, uh, of drinks. Uh, the, the first round I got a Saturn Tara got a East side. Alex got a planters punch. And then the second round I got a view Carré. Tara got a Paloma and Alex got a Clover Club. I want to say that most of these are standard drinks, i.e. you can look them up on the internet, Wikipedia, some, you know, whatever. Like, they're not necessarily proprietary to the Wicked Rabbit. And of my two, as much as I loved the Saturn, which was, it, it was like the beautiful presentation. Oh, right. It had the fringe, the, 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 the like the lime. It wasn't a lime spiral, but it was like... <laughs> a lime rib cage. <laughs> yes. It was so That's beautiful. Perfect. It tasted so good. And it wasn't overly sweet either. It was like middle of the road. But the view carré was incredibly boozy and and like flat. It just looks like a solid one color liquid with a lemon uh, spiral in it. That was my kind of drink. I absolutely loved it. You're not mentioning the most important part of the first round that you guys got. Thank you, Tara. <laughs> we Alex and I got... Um, drinks on the first page which meant they are flaming so they brought it out and they had like i had a float uh, it was a lemon rind with 
There might have been. I think there was just the sugar in it, maybe some. I think we both got a sugar cube on top. Yeah, exactly. And they set that on fire with the poppy with a little bit of liquor, you know, to help uh, facilitate the whole thing. And this sugar cube just melts in there. And then you can leave it there for decoration or you can turn it over and pour it in the drink, which is, of course, what I did. But uh, that was a really cool feature. So check out the Wicked Rabbit. Uh, tell them Craft Heads podcast sent you because if you are a cocktail connoisseur like I like to think that I am, that place is going to meet all of your criteria. Agreed. For being a, a fantastic so establishment. Yeah. And back to Miranda. I wanted to, this is absurd, I wanted to shout out an episode of the podcast for other people to check out because her, Miranda's level of enthusiasm was beaten by only one person that I had featured on episode 81. It's called Craft Beer at the Brick Store Pub, which anybody in that space might already be aware of the Brick Store Pub in, in Decatur, Georgia, part of Atlanta, because it's like a, a world-renowned bar. They have like two beer cellars and four trillion beers to pick from. And all this. It's just absolutely an amazing place. And as good as the food is, the beer always overshadows it just because of the staggering amount and... Uh, variants that they have in that but um jed drummond was on that episode and he was tara and i were having this amazing meal one night and it was it was kind of intimate because it wasn't super busy he was taking extra special care of us and when i told him about the podcast he was like i want to be on it i I mean just like (laughs) i don't remember exactly how it went but i was like i would love to have you on it because i'm an aspiring connoisseur whereas you are an active connoisseur so that was awesome to have that on there um, I have a feeling the two of them would get along. It was it was a really, really great experience. Yeah. I think the thing with both of them is that they both really enjoyed their jobs. I mean, Miranda explicitly told us, and I think Jed has sufficiently told us. Yeah. Definitely, 100%. So um, wrapping up the food part of this conversation, which I warned you were early on, like this is a great city for that, and that's what we spent a lot of time doing. Yep. But uh, we actually went to get... Alex's best ice cream that he said he's ever had twice. It's called corn flour ice cream. Is Wrong. It? Cone flour. What did I say? Corn. I am going to shoot myself. <laughs> I keep saying that. Cone flour ice cream. Thank you. Yeah. Cone flour creamery. I'll just say it for us. I'm, I'm done. You, you, take, you, you take it from here. <laughs> All right. Cone flour creamery. I, listen, I, I don't drink much, but I'm, a, I'm addicted to sweets. Coneflower Creamery has made like every other dessert like not satisfactory for me. Mm-hmm. Like once I had my first coneflower, I really I stopped eating many other desserts. Yeah. So they have um so the guy who opened the store, he actually used to work at 801 Chop House where we went for dinner and he wanted to branch out and just started making I think it's uh gelato or some kind of pastry chef he went to italy for like three years and this is all on his website and then came back and opened up this shop in the middle of this like nice little walkable little town Mm -hmm. and the ice cream is just next level it's artisan ice cream it definitely is and by the way a lot of these places um including uh the crescent moon which i'm going to tell you a fun fact about uh cone flour creamery um (laughs) upstream all Brewery, of this, yeah. all of this is in the Blackstone District. So, like that—that's one area. Like, if you have one night to spend in Omaha, that would be a really good place to spend it. Like, there's got there's something for everybody there. For sure. But to talk about a few of the flavors, one that's like their most popular, I think, is the Blackstone Butter Brickle. I don't even know what's in it, but it tastes like sex. So there's that. Um, 
Tara got two scoops the first night. I was we were both blown away by the milk and honey flavor. I know how basic that sounds, but honestly, that was top three for me. Like maybe even number two. Uh, I also got a tart cherry crumble, which was also in that same category as milk and honey. So those those were my top three: the the butter brickle, tart cherry crumble, and milk and honey. Uh, and then Tara got Archetype Coffee, which is cool. We didn't get to go any, to any cool coffee shops while we were here because we were working during the days for the most part. Obviously didn't want to go out and get coffee at like 7 p.m. And I noticed there was a local place called Archetype Coffee, but again, we didn't get to it. Um, and then there were two wild flavors, one of them that I really enjoyed and one of them that freaked me out in a good way. Right. <laughs> so Pine and Pine Nuts. It tasted, it had a piney flavor and indeed had pine nuts in it. And that was still very, it was very good. I could see an ice cream flavor being made out of it. Yep. I saw another one that said saffron. Right. Or, or, is it saffron or saffron? What do you say? I, I say saffron because that's what it looks like. Oh, God. I'll, I'll, all right. I'll conform. I'm going to go with saffron. And if anybody's not familiar with it, it's a yellow. Uh, well, the the spice itself, actually, I have a little vial of it at home. It's like red and spingy. It's like the stamen of some fruit, right? Yeah, exactly. But when you grind Flour. it up and put it into things, it becomes yellow. And I think what's probably what it's most well known for and most commonly used in is paella, which is a a, a Spanish dish with like saffron rice and shrimp and andouille sausage and all, all kinds of crazy shit. It's amazing. Actually, it's very similar to a, it's almost like a Spanish jambalaya, I think mm. is probably a good way of putting it. Mm. But anyways, mussels too. Always got to have more seafood. This ice cream tasted like paella. So it was jarring for me in the sense that, wow, they nailed this. But I was like, I don't want this. Mm. <laughs> so I, I, I just tasted it. I didn't get a whole thing of it. If that sounds interesting to you, I highly recommend going to check it out. Because and the thing with that place is that like you'll go one day and you'll have some flavor. Yeah, we just thought of it this morning and it'll, it'll sell out that day. And It's unbelievable. Every day could be different. Yeah, seriously so cool. And then the last food-related thing, I think, finally, at the end of our road here is I learned a fascinating fact. I always assumed, and I think a lot of people would assume, that the Reuben, the much ballyhooed sandwich of corned beef, Swiss cheese, sauerkraut, Thousand Island dressing, rye bread. I think I nailed it. Yeah. Uh, that's one of my all-time favorite favorite sandwiches if you find a really, really good Reuben. And I would have assumed that it was probably started, you know, from uh, like a like a Jewish deli in New York yeah. City. That's the first thing. I'm like, this, this has to come from that. And it supposedly, the story is that it actually came from Omaha, Nebraska, in the Blackstone District, uh, in that hotel. Blackstone Hotel. There you go. So I went down this rabbit hole of looking at all these places online. What is the best, which one, what's one is the best Reuben in the city, blah, blah, blah. They have a yearly competition. And the one that was voted online the best in 2020 was the Raskeller. But the one with the highest uh, like volume of Reuben sales, and I think sort of, like the de facto reigning champ is the Crescent Crescent Moon Ale House. Um, they also have like this crazy um, beer. What was it called? Beertopia or beer? Yeah, Beertopia. Beertopia like store within there, and you can buy bottles and pay a corking fee and drink them right there with your dinner and everything. So we had a great meal there. Also, my first experience with cheese curds, oh. which Alex suggested. Yes. Uh, holy shit! <laughs> yeah. So amazing. I had no idea. 
that they were even a thing. I've heard of them. I didn't know what they were. They're basically fried little chunks of I mean, that cheese. Is, they're liter- those are the curds. Like when you make milk and cheese, and it's the curds, but they just take those and fry them, and that's it. Amazing. Yeah, they're, they were seriously so good. But um, we wound up landing there, and I got my Reuben. And I will say it was excellent, but it was not life-changing. I was expecting because I was like, oh, they came, they came from Omaha originally, and there's this big competition, and there's like 20 places that have Rubens. And I figured like I was going to eat this sandwich and have to change my underwear. <laughs> and as it turned out, it was just really excellent. And maybe there's a ceiling on Rubens. Like, I don't know. And like one of the interesting things that Alex and I both took note of is there were like cubes or like chunks of oh, corned beef in it. The meat was thick. Yeah, which was very satisfying in a way. I don't know. Maybe some people w- want it more like shredded all the way throughout. But uh, if you want a good Reuben, there's only like 20 places to pick from in Omaha. So definitely check that out while you're here as well. Yeah, but, in my opinion, like the sandwich kind of like set the standard for mm-hmm. how Reuben should be rated. Exactly. I, yeah. Like I know whenever Tara was still living in Buffalo, you can imagine that place has an amazing food scene. And uh, plenty of delis to get Rubens in. So I've I've had my fair share to the point where like something something innovative and non Ruben like would have to happen to elevate my Ruben experience. I don't know. That was more uh, in depth than I planned to get on Rubens. But anyways, <laughs> Ruben analysis. We're done with the food finally. Then the our like big thing that we were waiting to do was the Omaha Zoo, which we did on Saturday, i.e. yesterday. Yes. Alex, tell us about that. All right. So the Henry Dorley Zoo, which um, did you guys – I'm curious. When you guys were flying, did you guys see it from the sky, like the, a dome-like, the dome-like thing? No. Okay. I, because A, we weren't looking for it, and B, it was really cloudy, and C, I didn't spend a whole lot of time looking out the window, so I don't even know if where we were flying – or like on our side of the plane, if we could have seen it. It was raining. Oh, it was raining right. too. Yeah, so visibility day. was very. I'm gonna look for it when we take off. Yeah, I'm That'd be really curious. Cool. I always forget to check when I fly. Yeah. Um, so disclaimer: uh, fact check anything I say because I don't know jack shit. Everybody, um, all craft heads listeners know that about of course. Show. <laughs> yeah, of course. Um, so at Henry Dorley Zoo and Aquarium, I'm pretty sure it has been rated like the best zoo in the nation and possibly the world. Um, it is basically um it ben- it benefits from a bunch of uh, benefactors is that the right way to say that yes it it does okay. yes because a beneficiary receives something from a benefactor okay we've actually talked about this on the podcast <laughs> before <laughs> all right so um one of their biggest donors i it will be um warren buffett because fun fact warren buffett and berkshire hathaway is based here um so the the zoo benefits from that. Also, a lot of big na- other big names around here medically. The zoo is amazing. Like the zoo is huge, um, uh, engineered, well designed. Like um, specifically, there's just a lot that goes into it. Um, that's just the intro that I think we can say. And then once we get in, we'll probably I, I can remember more things. What yeah, totally. So there are so. This is gonna sound stupid. Oh, it's a zoo that has so many exhibits. But like we went through the first one or two. And Alex said, this is like 10% of the zoo. And I was sitting here thinking, like, this place must be even bigger than I was expecting. And sure enough, it that really might have been like 10 15%. But this big dome that Alex is talking about is the, fact check, largest outdoor desert exhibit? You Yeah, you read that on it. It's like the outdoor... 
largest outdoor indoor desert sure. exhibit. Yeah. Yeah. So oh, b- because fun fact, it's like 24 degrees out here and somewhat snowing. And we go inside this indoor desert dome, and it feels like the desert. Yeah, it was. I mean, and when we say desert, some people are thinking 120 degrees. It was probably like 80. Yeah, so, something arid. Like, yeah, yeah, and arid for sure. But mm-hmm. um, that was that was alone a, a fascinating experience. But honestly, I think to speak to what Alex was talking about before the design and everything else. Sure. The, the wildlife inside and the birds and the cacti and, and the sand and everything like that was all really cool. But the way that it somehow transitions, you're still in this dome and then it like takes you underground and they switch environments and you're in this like Bayou, Louisiana swamp area. You're like, you're in, you're in this like backwoods shack that makes you feel like you're in the middle of the swamp. And then you come out of the shack and you're in this, huge swampy area with crocodiles and alligators and shit. Like it was in, in turtles and everything. I just, that transition was my favorite part of the zoo. As weird as that sounds. Yeah. All indoors. Wait, Tara, are you going to say something? I was going to say that whole cave system, you kind of glossed over the fact that there's a huge cave system and they have just tons of bats flying around in one kind of exhibit. Thank you for bringing that up. But what order did that come after the swamp? So like top to bottom, we started in the desert and, got to know that wildlife and i think we moseyed whatever we go to one exit where we go into the nocturnal habitat i think that's what it's called mm-hmm. and then that's where we start it's it's near pitch black and in like they i think we first saw the like the naked mole rats and we said like yeah they use Correct. infrared light so they don't get burned and all yeah. that but yeah we walk around there for i think about 10 minutes and then we get into legit, like an actual cave-like system like i thought the rocks were actually kind of real but um, I think you read that it's one, or you said that was the only zoo that you've ever had like bats flying around. Like yeah. That. So I was, I was going to get there. Uh, Tara, I, I think it was, I swear that was after the desert and the swamp. It wasn't. It wasn't? It was desert, nocturnal, then No swamp. kidding. Swamp okay. was the last thing we did and then we left because I remember distinctly feeling all the humidity in the swamp and thinking, wow, well, it's hard to breathe. Yeah. And then... You, tur- you take the one turn and you go up the hallway to leave, and immediately you're hit by a cool, not humid air. Clearly, yeah. I've been drinking too much this weekend, and my <laughs> brain is fried. But yes, thank you, Tara, for bringing that up, because even though those transitions were like the most fascinating thing to me, I think probably the coolest exhibit, at least off the top of my head right now, I don't even know about coolest, but the bats, it's there's a big glass panel, obviously, but then above it, there is mesh. Yeah. But so it's open and it's not even like super thin, like screen mesh on a screen door that keeps out insects. So it's, you know, has bigger holes and there are hundreds of bats flying around and screeching inside it and they're right there and it's kind of freaky. Like if you are afraid of bats, you would have a panic attack Agreed, for sure. Like they're very active because it's very, it's very well simulated like a nocturnal. Exactly. That's like their, that's their shit right there. So Mm -hmm. That was a really awesome experience. Um, we we did not do the aquarium because uh, not not trying to sound like a snob or anything, but we're being from Atlanta. That's like the best aquarium in the world, and you have to pay. Fact check. We think you have to pay extra to go in there. Yeah, fact check that. Yeah. So <laughs> con- considering we were, um, you know, we were sort of already walking around for a couple of hours. We wound up being there for a total of three and a half hours and it was in the mid twenties. Yeah. So we were bundled up and it was cold as hell, but, um, 
the a couple other highlights from the zoo trip we there was there's there are two indoor enclosures uh, one with giraffes one with elephants i saw some incredibly strange behavior from a giraffe <laughs> that i enjoyed just licking and sucking on this pole that was keeping them enclosed he was pretty amazing i don't know if you guys have ever seen giraffe tongues they're horrifying but uh that was a fun experience and then the only thing that was more ridiculous <laughs> was the elephant penis <laughs> in the elephant exhibit. I mean, oh like, my lord! Yes, I hate to, I hate to bring this movie up, but Freddie got fingered. There is an elephant penis in that movie, and I always kind of wondered, like, <laughs> Tara's just sh- huh? It's a horse. No, there's one of each. <laughs> Actually, I think two horse penises. Best in one of both elephant. worlds. Yes, at the end, remember, with ripped horn. Oh. Yeah. So, anyways. It it was so big in the movie that I was like, I wonder if that's a prop. It was not. Like, it was proven yesterday. This, this dude was walking around at the back of the elephant pen. We actually thought he was going to get frisky with one of the elephants. Um, right. That was something to behold. Yeah. Um, when he flexed it, it looked like a snake. I was like, penises shouldn't move like that. We're pretty sure it's prehensile. Yeah. <laughs> Fact check. Fact check. Actually, no, it is. And the oh, Oh, yeah, Tara, look this up. Yes, I looked this up because I was just so horrified. <laughs> it's because the animal is so gigantic that it can't thrust when it has sex. So that makes sense. The penis itself has to do all the work. It basically, yeah, it's like so its it own entity. There, it just wiggles. It's just, yeah. That's just so fucking odd. It was, it was pretty horrifying, but also <laughs> really funny, and obviously I took a video. So, <laughs> um, if what, anyone wants that, please contact yeah, Yes, please go to craftheadspodcast at gmail.com. Let me know. Um, so... Does what are some, what were some of the other really cool things uh, outdoor stuff? Um, so we walked for a bit because um, because it's twenty four degrees, which animals kind of like. There's just too much snow on the ground, so a lot of them were in their enclosures, which I was upset at. Um, but we walked for a bit, and one thing you guys saw that I don't think a lot of people saw or ever get to see is the cheetahs. Yes, that's yeah, right. Was, I got a beautiful picture of one like up on a big rock. It's like it was posing for us. Yeah, and I guess they were doing their vet checkups, but they were running around a bit, and I've never seen the cheetahs there. Yeah. Um, other highlights, uh, we saw lions peeing on the glass. That was incredible. We yeah. saw three beautiful lions uh, s- sitting right up against the glass in one of the exhibits. and I mean, they were a foot away from us. They were all napping together and keeping warm. And the one got up and kind of like tried to muscle, stretching, you know, yeah, stretching, up. and then he like muscled another one out of its way. So that one woke up and pissed on the one that displaced it, which was <laughs> awesome, and also right on the glass, and it right. like ran under the animal. With I was like, oh, with you the guys kids are... around, yeah, it was, yeah, and the the lady was like, oh, he's going potty. <laughs> she said that to her kids. It was great. I was like, yeah, this this is the real world. It seemed uh, appropriate, but uh, there was an amazing. African like safari exhibit. I mean, as Alex mentioned, there's a lot of animals that were not out that we didn't see. Some of them we saw from a distance, like yeah. maybe just their coat, like hiding in a corner or on a mountain. But um, we saw the huge koi pond before that too. Oh right? yeah, that's yeah. right. There's there's this one body of water that has probably 200 waterfowl in it, and so many koi. I mean, it's you can just see under the water. It's like teeming with fish. That mm-hmm. was really cool. And you can um, you can buy food with a quarter and throw it off to see them go into a feeding frenzy. Right. Um, I saw the uh, the Asia exhibit. The Asian exhibit was yeah. awesome. Uh, the, there were some very loud mouthed cranes that we got. Like we heard it from a distance. Didn't know if it was like a construction machine or an animal. Turns out it was an animal. That was really cool. Yeah. Um, what was the 
new animal that we learned about. The Takin. Takin. Yes. It looks like an oxen, right? Is that where it was? Yeah, it looked like a weird, skinny goat ox. Yeah. Sounds about right. I think I said like a buffalo mixed with something else, but I can't remember. But those, they're um, Tibetan, I think. They're they're huge, like mountain animals. New goat. New goat. Yeah. So. uh, very very cool animals that I didn't even I've definitely never seen those before. But there, no matter what kind of animals you're into, there are just so many exhibits and so many animals. Like if you're into zoos, that is definitely the place to check out for yeah. sure. We also went to the gorilla. Yep. The primate area of yep. the park. Orangutans were uh, they were closed. Well, and right. Their exhibit. We're checking in for our flight, but while you yeah. were gone, Alex and I witnessed a baby gorilla do kind of like a forward headstand thing and stuck his ass in the air and then pissed on the glass. Yeah. And then when he was done with that, he sat kind of to the side and like leaned in and was like analyzing his urine and then licked it twice. Yeah. I think we all know that if I were a gorilla, that'd be me. <laughs> Maybe not the licking he, part, he but was, like he was admiring his work. That's yeah. Like putting on a show for uh, visitors and doing a headstand and pissing all over myself. That's something I would do for sure. Yeah. One so. thing I want to say about the gorilla exhibit, which fact check, um, the gorillas there, um, they have a huge family system that's related with a lot of the zoos in the U S like Harambe Cincinnati zoo. Right. I'm pretty mm-hmm. sure some of his kids fact check are here <laughs> at the Henry Dorley zoo. And yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a cool like network of cousins and sons and mothers and fathers of the, the, the gorillas spread across the zoos. It's really neat. But, yep. um, Anything else on the the aviary was closed, which right. that would have been cool. And it's like a huge, not fenced, what is like Mesh, netted, yeah. meshed in area that that they're building a walk through. And the only thing I really would have liked to do is Alex said that there is a uh, a butterfly and insect one that you can walk through, and the butterflies can land on you and shit. And right. That would have terrified Tara. I would have loved that one, so I would have liked to see some of that stuff. Yeah. But uh, for as many things as there were closed, like. It was still better than any zoo I've ever been to. Oh yeah, you know. So, uh, again, that's that's a if you're in Omaha for a couple of days and want something to do, I would call. I would put that right at the top of the list for sure. Yeah. But um, that's all. The, that's most of the love for all of the things that we did, places that we went to, people we met and encountered in our travels. But Alex, just a couple closing words on your experience living here overall. I know you talked about. You know how how great the people are. Um, Tara and I loved the population density, which is to say, basically nothing compared to Atlanta. <laughs> Very true. Um, oh and yeah, then, you said like you we parked right in front of Upstream, and you couldn't do that. Yeah, like yeah. What, what even is that? Right. And not pay? Like God, yeah. so amazing. But uh, one last thing, if, if I may, can I re- reveal your deep dark secret about where you live? Yeah, you or, or you can. No, I, I want to see how you say it. So. It's. I always think it's fun when you know somebody for a long time and you learn something like that just doesn't make sense at all uh, to you that just goes against what you thought about that person. This, and I'm building this up, and it sounds way bigger than it is. Yeah. We found out. You know, we've been telling our family and friends and everything. Yeah, Alex moved to Omaha, Nebraska. Same he here. does not live here. No, he, I do not live in Omaha. He lives in Council Bluffs, Iowa. Correct. And it's cool because, uh, you know, I've basically said. That I've, I'm from Pittsburgh all my life because who in God's name, especially out of PA, is going to actually hear where I'm from. But I mean, we lived 
40 minutes from the city. And Alex does, in fact, live 10 minutes from Omaha, Nebraska. But when he was dropping or taking us back to the house the first night, we're driving across a bridge, and it was going over a river. And I looked at a sign, and it said, like, welcome to Iowa or something. <laughs> I said to Alex, I was like, are we in Iowa? He was like, yeah, I live here. <laughs> I was like, what? Yeah. So it turns out that Alex actually lives in Council Bluffs 10 minutes. Less than that. Ne- like, less than that. Yeah. I keep saying 10 minutes, but, like, I think that's Google like trying to add traffic, which this city doesn't have. Mm-hmm. And it's like you drive across a bridge and you're in the city, right. which was so cool about it. all the stuff we did. Like I never had to muster up any strength or energy to like, you know, I, I have to overcome inertia if I want to go into Atlanta right. at home. Cause you know, it takes 20 minutes mm-hmm. here. It's just like driving down the road. So yeah. really cool. Which you didn't realize like Omaha's on the border of the entire state. Right? Exactly. That the Missouri river, Yep. Fun facts, things I learned, separates the two states all the way up and down on both sides. And uh, there's a little hemorrhoid-shaped <laughs> part of uh, of Omaha, and that's that's the part where the airport is. Epley Airfield? Correct. Which, more fun facts, was featured in... Up in there, starring yes. George Clooney. Yes. So anybody who remembers that movie, that's where he always flew out of and complained about, I think you said. Correct. Yes. Okay. So... Oh, and good news. Uh, we did bring our latest three Amiibos that we acquired and got them leveled up to level 50 with uh, Alex's assistance. So that was another great accomplishment. And we introduced you to the worst media in the world. Oh, my Tim Lord. Tim and Eric. Yeah. I think we got them hooked. I think um, everyone on the podcast here would understand it. Definitely. But trying to describe it, 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 it doesn't send the right message yeah they <laughs> they have um they have the tim and eric awesome show great job and then they spun off about 20 different pieces of media from that maybe more i don't know so i think we got our hooks in alex and he's um he's into it and we watched a season and a half of south park yes oh, yeah we did an entire season seven alex has taken the plunge of watching all of south park from season one episode one and through and we uh when we got here, he was in the middle of season six, and we just finished season seven. So South Park is great. Mm-hmm. Omaha, Nebraska podcast. Oh, yeah, well, quick, quick um, tidbit. Like South Park, has, as we all know, is prophetic, and everything that they talk about all the way back in season seven is happening now. Still, uh, yeah, which yeah. was like two thousand six ish. I'll say mid two thousands. Yeah, that's right. It's insane. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, Alex, thanks for being back on the podcast. You're now a three-time guest. That's Great a, to be here. You Love should get it. like a medal for that. Mm-hmm. And uh, we'll see everybody in about a week or so. Awesome. Thanks for having me. Mm-hmm.